0: Is the church a building? Is the church a pastor? Or the staff? Is the church the music? The tradition? Or the ministries? These are all good things. But they are not. The church. Take them away and the church is still here. Why? Because you are still here. The church is you. The church is you with a purpose. The church is you on a mission. The church is you with a plan, a simple plan, to plug into God at a weekend service, to charge up in a small group community, to live out using your gifts and passions, and to pass on your faith to those who do not know Christ. When you and I live like this, all the things we used to do in church things we do as the church. God desires it, the world needs it, and we are called to be it. What is the church? The church is you.
1: All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Today we're wrapping up the series Becoming the Church. But before I jump into just giving you a a summary of what we've covered over this series, um, today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day that seemed like the whole world was celebrating uh, the long-awaited king coming into Jerusalem. Yay! Hosanna! 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 And yet, do you know what his first official act was as king? When he got into Jerusalem, he cleaned house. He went to the temple and he cleaned house. Why? Because the church is to be his body. And his body wasn't acting like it was supposed to. Like it was designed to be. And he went in and he cleaned house. So before we get into the Wrapping up this series because we're talking about the church. What is the church? What is the body of Christ? What are we supposed to be? Sometimes when you step through a message, you might feel like not just your toes are getting stepped on, but you feel the end of a, a long whip and the hitting you. Because well, sometimes that's what's got to happen to clean house. To wake us up out of our sleep, out of our slumber, out of our laziness, and get back into shape. What is the design, original design of the church, the body of Christ? What are we supposed to be? So here it is. Palm Sunday. It's time to clean house. So let's wrap up this series. And Ephesians 4, it's kind of the outline here of the intention of, I I feel like somebody does this to me each week on purpose, (laughs) isn't it Mike? (laughs) Kicking around the anointing oil, talk about feeling bad. You you ever look at things in the church like you've never been in a church, and, and then you let your mind wander? I wonder what they think that was for. Do you know I was sitting there, and I saw all these little bottles up here, and I thought, I hope they know that's not booze. Just need a little sip. Keep going. Sorry, my mind does wander. You know, in the baskets, they wanted to put baskets up here to put some notes and stuff in. And I'm like, no, because somebody coming in will think we have snakes in those baskets. <laughs> Again, my mind wanders, but this is it. Ephesians 4. This is this is the design. This is the reason that sometimes you'll feel that, you know, the cleaning house of what are you doing? Wake up. Come on. This is why. So if we read in Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11, it says it was he, Jesus, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ Then we will no longer be infants Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching And by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming Instead Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. That is what the church is meant to be. That's why at times you'll feel your toes get stepped down in the whoosh, the end of the whip. It's like get in line. Everyone doing their part. We shared a couple weeks ago that the statistics say that 85%, 80%, 85%, I was just saying 85% in there so I'm questioning myself. 85% of the church body is inactive is not actively engaged in ministry. That's a, that's a quadriplegic body of Christ. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Here Christ, the healer, the God of all, Lord of all, is forced by his own people to sit in a wheelchair It's not what he intended for the body Look at this Leaders prepare God's people To do works of service Not do the works of the service And you guys just get to come in and out And just sit there and you know Eat your little snacks (laughs) And go back out again And boy I wish they would have done this I wish they would have done that Were Supposed to train you we're supposed to equip you you're supposed to do the work of the ministry So that the body will be built up unified in faith and knowledge mature to the very fullness of all Christ is Then We won't be immature and misled by the lies of the world Do you know the longer I'm in ministry the more I realize I should start taking statistics myself Because I can assure you That the most complaints I get the majority of the complaints I get are by people who are not actively involved in ministry They all have an opinion just like they have some other body parts and they don't smell too good. But it's by people who are not actively involved in ministry. It says, then, so that, then, and then it goes on to say, instead, instead of being blown around and immature and listening to all these lies, and did you hear what I heard now? That God didn't really send Jesus, Jesus just gave him, you know, it's like what, what? Oh, and did you hear that we're not supposed to do that? What? Oh well, that really didn't mean that. And you know, God only, you know, only really wrote a couple books of the Bible. Is is your God really that small that He couldn't control what He called His word? Hey, you do understand when people say that to me? Well. You know, man wrote the Bible. No, he didn't. The actual Bible says that inspired by the Holy God is in control. He knew what he wanted in his word. But instead of being blown around and believing all these stupid little lies, it says we will speak the truth in love and we will in all things grow up. And the word says it. So if you hear me say it, I'm just quoting the word when I when you start pouring out your immature behavior and I just say grow up, it's a loving statement. It's spoken to you in love, but it's truth. Grow up. Submitting it grows up when it submits to the headship. And then it goes on to like put a seal over the whole thing as each member does his or her part the whole body moving, doing their part, that's the fullness, that's what God created, fashioned his body, the body of Christ to look like so as we wrap up this series, remember we looked at the church is one body One body, not many bodies, one body. It's active, it's advancing, and then today we're going to talk about the church's preparing. These are things the whole body is about. This is a thing the whole church is to be about. Uh... Church is not something we do, it's who we are together. We are the church, the body of Christ. We looked at first two weeks, we looked at Romans chapter 12 and what does it mean to be a body when all the different parts come together under the head. That's what it means to be one body. And then the second week we looked at the how the church is to be active. So we looked at the end of Romans 12 and how there was listed 12 or 14, I can't remember, different things. Acts of love because love can't be expressed without actions So you can't say I love you and not do anything for the individual It has to be expressed through Actions and then last week, like I said, we we talked about the church needs to be advancing But we cannot be a powerful Advancing church without God's power Powerfully working through us. It's him It's him greater is he that is in me The he is the holy spirit says the same spirit that rose christ from the dead dwells in you He is the he The holy spirit is the he so last week we prayed and we had everybody come up and we prayed that you'd be filled with the holy Spirit how many were filled for the first time with the holy spirit last week Lots of hands not going up. <laughs> How many are already filled with the Holy Spirit? Oh, well then I can really get after you guys. <laughs> yeah, we've got 95% of you or more already filled and already Christians locked into God. There's no I don't have to tiptoe around a thing this morning. I'm feeling good Remember the key point the key point we were driving home last week is that going to church will not change the world But taking the church to the world changes everything That's the advancing that we need to be wherever that is. Do you understand it's at your job? It's at the grocery store. It's at the gas station. It's wherever you are. It's take because you are the church. Do you understand? That's why my cry in my heart is that get in God's presence every day. Because then you carry his presence. You carry his presence so you don't have to go and preach a three-point sermon and then ask for an altar call. You just walk into the grocery store and all of a sudden the clerk goes, can I just tell you something? And opens the door wide open for God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near because it's wherever you are. Remember, it's not about when you become a Christian, it's not about you getting to heaven, it's getting heaven in you. You understand that this world is not about you. Your life is not about you. Your job is not about you. Nothing you have is about you. It's about bringing heaven through you to earth for a lost, lost world. That if you've got a job, it's because God wants to use that to resource the ministry he has for you. And the church. Let's just be honest. I mean, we look around, and if you come in and go out, and come in and go out, and you wonder, "Oh, I just love all these light. I love this. I love that," but you don't honor God by giving your first fruits. And I don't care if you don't believe in the tithe. If you think that's Old Testament, please give twenty percent. Please give thirty percent. Please give fifty percent, or like the Book of Acts, give it all. I don't care. But if you're actively only tipping God when you come in when you've had a good week You hurt the body Because how do you think the lights stay on? How do you think we're able to you know do ministry? How do you think we were able to go into the schools and see those hundreds and hundreds of kids Hear the gospel for the first time? How do you think we crammed in over 200 kids In this one little room, so they could really experience worship for the first time. It's not about you getting to heaven, it's about heaven getting in you, so that we are an exact replication of God's body, Christ's body on earth. The church, here it is. So here's week four. The church. Should always be and actively be preparing. Preparing. Preparing for today. Preparing for tomorrow. And preparing for the Lord's return. It's a, three-point message and a three-point message. three point message in the three point message. Three is the perfect number. Three is eternity. Preparing for day. Today. Jesus taught. Give us today. Our daily bread. Give us today exactly what I need. Every day I, I wake up with that prayer. God give me everything I need for today. And we were talking about this Thursday night. My cousins came over and we were just sitting there and we just we just toss out the Bible and just not toss out the Bible, I mean like said... Set what we've been reading, right? Set it before us and, you know, what have you been getting? Blah, 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 blah. And we talked about this, that too long, we've eaten what's come into our own hand for so long that the minute we try to believe for something... I don't even know if we try to believe for something. We've just eaten hand to mouth for so long, taking care of ourselves, taking care of ourselves, that when you hear, oh, somebody hey, can you believe that God wants you to be, no, he must not want me to be wealthy. He must not want me to have that. He must not want me to have a nice car. He must not want, why? Because you can't provide it for yourself, so you think that that limits God. Give us today our daily bread. God, give me everything I need today to fulfill today. That's a prayer to call beyond what you can provide. Preparing for today is calling beyond what you can provide. And God, I submit, I surrender to you. I want to see you today. And in that, you have to have to rely on God not just for spiritual things I hear people say that all the time well God I want to be spiritually wealthy I know God's calling us to do this or do that but I know it, it that just meant spiritually physically emotionally spiritually he wants everything of you. All of you and he wants everything of you and all of you yielded to him So we need to be preparing for today. We need to be preparing to hear God you understand He wants to the Holy Spirit in you can direct your every step. Do you believe that? Did you read that? That the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He prepares for me every step where I, well, am I supposed to cry? Oh, God, what am I supposed to wear today? Of course, I should have prayed that because, boy, is there a mess on my bed right now. You ever have one of those days, lady, where it's like everything you grab and try to put on, it's like, nope, not that, and you threw that on the bed, and you threw it, and I got a mess on my bed. Men, just a word of advice. If you ever walk into the bedroom wondering, why, honey, are you running late today? and you see a lot of outfits spread out on the bed, walk away. Shut the door. Walk away. Just get away. That's that's some free advice for you right there. Anyway, maybe I should have prayed that. Lord, what am I supposed to wear? Anyway, but no, it's not a, you know, stop. Oh, Lord, you know, do I go left or do I go right? Where do I go? Where do I go? Because in I think it's in Isaiah. Did I write it, write it down? Yeah. Isaiah 30, 21 says he will always be the voice behind in you, telling you which way to go. I love that scripture. But if we're not listening, la 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 la, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this. But if we're constantly preparing our ears to hear, you will hear him speaking. And he'll tell us which way to go. So prepare to hear. Prepare to believe. Those who are believing for nothing are receiving nothing. And then they get up on their soapbox and exclaim, See, God doesn't do this anymore. See, I went out last night and I got drunk and I didn't get smited by God's hand. So it's okay, I can do that. See, I I went out and I did this or I did that and, you know, nothing happened. See those who are believing for nothing are receiving nothing and then instead of testing and approving of God's perfect world, Word they test and disprove God's word See I knew it See I, I, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I, I'm okay. My family's okay God doesn't mind if I do this. God doesn't mind if I do that You ever think that it might just be God's patience and love for you? That he doesn't smite you? I mean, imagine if we were living in the Acts church like we're supposed to be, and you do finally say, because everybody else is selling their possessions and their houses and bringing the full amount and laying it at the apostles' feet for the distributing of the ministry and the work of the ministry... And yet you think, well, I'll just save some back for myself, kind of like an Ananias and Sapphira. And I'll bring the rest and here, give it. And the po- Hey, is this the full amount that you got for your seat Yes. Why? They wanted the world and the church to know how righteous they were. They wanted to look just like everybody else. And what happened? Boom. Dead. You know why? The warning was, you're not lying to me. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. You're lying to God, trying to get away and look like you're some righteous person. Well, what if we live like that? And then the wife comes in. Honey, is this what your husband got and you got for the land? Well, yes, sir. Why? Because they already discussed it. Hey, we're going to hold back some money for ourselves. We'll just take this, but we'll tell everybody this is exactly what we got. So we look as righteous as everybody else. Really? How could you do that? He, he got after. How could you do that? Why? Because women were supposed to be our husband's helpmate. And so if he, not so often, makes an unwise decision, that we're there to help him. Honey, can we line that up with the word? It, it, do you think that that's what you know we should do? That's helpmate. Oh, you're right, honey. You're right. We shouldn't do that. You know, because the apostle said, wasn't it yours to begin with? You know, if you would have just said, no, actually, we got this amount, but we're going to keep some back. So here's here's the rest. Would there have been a problem? No. Because he said it was yours to begin with. So just because you can get away with something does not mean God approves of it. Too many people are allowing their lack of validation to be their foundation of unbelief. I mean, if you want to go back to the smiting days, so be it. As you believe. But try to believe for something bigger. You know, I'm working on a series and it came out of our Thursday night discussion. That's that's going to be called The Standard. Because you can almost guarantee to be able to identify the enemy's lies in your life is if it lowers the standard of God in your life. If what you're questioning, if what He's speaking to your mind will lower the standard of God in your life, it's a lie, it's the enemy. So, if you're trying to prepare, I want you to prepare to believe for bigger things, for a bigger God, for all His Word. Believe, prepare to believe, and prepare for miracles. Come on, make room for God to come in every day. Make room, put God, like it says, to the test. Not that we're testing God but he says I want to show myself I want to show myself strong Through you but if we're constantly Just taking care of everything ourselves And then we go home oh God Be with me tomorrow he's like I was with you Today but you just ran Over me the whole way you forgot Me left me in the dust You know I was there when You were talking to your friend and he had a Problem and I was saying hey Say this To him You weren't listening. You weren't believing I wanted to use you to touch his life. I had a miracle waiting for him through your hands, but you didn't wait for me. You didn't make room for me. We need to prepare for miracles. Prepare to hear, prepare to believe, and prepare for miracles. Don't be so hyper-focused. I'm just keeping your head down and getting things done, getting your groceries that you lose sight of who's right in front of you. I had, to, I mean, I repented to God. I repented to my, you know, my cousins when we were talking about this. I went, jumped in, I jumped in my car, ran to shop and save, ran through, grabbed some things, got in my car, heading back home. And all of a sudden, God just seized my heart and said, you never once looked up at anybody. And I just wept. I'm like, God, you're right. What am I doing? I mean, how many people did I pass by looking at my list and, you know, checking off my list and grabbing things off the shelf that you had a word for? And I was so hyper-focused on my own little world that I missed them. Make room for God daily. Do you understand that? Daily. Because it's not about you. Oswald Chambers says, make room for God. As servants of God, we must learn to make room for him, to give God elbow room. We plan and figure and predict that this or that will happen, and we forget to make room for God to come in as he chooses. Would we be surprised if God came into our meeting right now or into our preaching in a way we had never expected him to come? Do not look for God to come in a particular way, but do look for him. The way to make room for him is to expect him to come, but not in a certain way. No matter how well we may know God, the great lesson to learn is that he may break in at any minute. We tend to overlook this element of surprise, yet God never works in any other way. Suddenly, Suddenly, God meets our life when it pleased God. Keep your life so constantly in touch with God that his surprising power can break through in your everyday life at any moment. Live in a constant state of expectancy and leave room for God to come in as he decides. Prepare for today, prepare to hear, prepare to believe, prepare for miracles. That's the way the disciples moved. That's what we prayed for last week, remember? Read it again, Acts 4 and 5. Miracles followed them. Miracles followed them. Prepare for tomorrow. This one's sensitive to me right now, too. Um... Preparing for tomorrow means taking care of what you have today well. Being good stewards of what he's already given you. I mean, right? You've heard your mom say, don't rock back, or your dad say, don't rock back in that chair. Why? Because you'll break it. Well, I don't care. I didn't buy it. So you keep rocking back in the chair. And then it's broke. And then if it's a good parent, he'll make you sit on the floor the rest of the year or years to eat your dinner on the floor. Why? Because you didn't do what he asked you to do. Take care of what he's given you. But too many times we come in and out of the church and, well, it's not mine. You know, do I have to take care of that? No, it's not mine. And we break this, lose that, steal this take that, and then we don't have it for tomorrow. If we're called as stewards of all God's given us and this house is his house then why would we not expect some type of on our rear ends when we don't take care of his things well? And why would we expect God to give us more if we're not taking care of what we have? Again, I pull everything back to how would I relate to my child? I mean, have you as a parent ever told your child, I'm not going to buy you that because you got something just like that at home you won't take care of. Well, you broke the last thing I bought you. Why should I buy you something else? Why, why do we think that God is, you know, well, yes, he is all-forgiving. Yes he is all loving But don't you understand that with that love Comes discipline You love your children enough to discipline Or you should Why Because you don't want them to grow up to be selfish jerks Right If we're not being good stewards Of what God's already given us Why are we expecting for something bigger Well, we'll take care of it when we have the bigger building. No, if you're not taking care of what you have now. I mean treating well. I mean showing honor and respect as stewards of. I mean, I've used this illustration before. If I turned over my keys to Deborah and said, here's my house. Would you please steward my house while I'm gone for a couple months? And I come back, and she's throwing wild parties, you know, like she does. And there's food all over the place, sink full of dishes. My, my things are half broke all over the place. And she gives me back my keys and says, here you go. Somebody's going to be in trouble. Right? But we do that to God's house. We do that to God's house and expect him, well, he just has to forgive us. Preparing for tomorrow is being a good steward. Remember the parable of the talents? He entrusted to them things and then he called them to account. Now tell me what you did with what I gave you. Also, in preparing for tomorrow, it's being a good steward of what we have, but it's also thinking ahead. Like in Proverbs, it says the a prudent man looks ahead, plans for tomorrow. But in that, you have to be a good steward of what you have. Then you can look ahead and plan for tomorrow. I've told you over and over again, I, you know, that in my spirit, I feel like a, a pregnant person who's about ready to give birth and we need to be preparing. So I'm constantly running around. Hey, move this boundary back, move that back, stretch that out, get ready. The harvest is coming. Prepare, prepare for tomorrow. But in doing that, we have to take care of what we have. I mean, you can't have one or the other. It's got to go together. Preparing for tomorrow is being a good steward of what he's given us and being a prudent man and looking ahead and planning for tomorrow. Prepare for the increase. Enlarge the place of your dwelling. Make room. The harvest is coming. And then the last thing is preparing for the Lord's return. Crystal, can you come up? Preparing for the Lord's return. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct,
0: rebuke,
1: encourage with great patience and careful instructions. In view of, the Lord is going to return at any moment. Are you ready in view of you have a job to do you have a mission a commission that you were commanded to complete are you ready in view of this do what you're supposed to be doing nothing else matters John G. Lake said the spirit that is anticipating Waiting and longing and believing for the return of Jesus As a necessity has become sensitized Along in that line and they will be the ones Who will catch the foregleams of the rising sun first See, because if we shift our paradigm, our focus like binoculars in view of heaven and that we're going to be standing before a, a righteous judge and have to give an account of everything he's commanded us to do in light of that, in view of that, everything else is like a filter that what I'm doing today better be with heaven in mind. It's kind of like getting a fix-it ticket. Sorry, I get so practical at times. Anybody ever got a fix-it ticket? Okay, don't raise your hand. No, fix-it tickets are good. You didn't break them. Yeah, kind of. Anyway, a fix-it ticket. The officer writes and said, I notice you have a headlight out. I'll give you, and he puts a day down there. And you come and show your vehicle to me by this day, and I'll sign my name to it, and you can go your way. But This is kind of like a fix-it ticket God's saying I'm, I'm giving you I'm giving you And he didn't tell us when the deadline was Do this, do this Because I'm going to show up And like an officer that gives you a fix-it ticket But doesn't put a deadline in there And just says I want you to just expect me At any moment to pop into your house And say today I want to make sure you took care of what I told you to take care of Ooh. What would you do? You'd go out and get it fixed right away, wouldn't you? Because I don't want to pay that fine. Uncle Sam takes enough of my money. I don't want to give them any more money. I'm going to go take care of it today. But that's the imminent return. That's what we're supposed to be living like at any moment. We're talking about preparing that any moment Jesus could come back. Are you ready for that? Are there things in your life now that you would wish later were not there when you stand before God? Are there people you will have wished you would have reconciled with, forgiven, or shared the gospel with? we should, everything we do should be filtered through this lens. Heaven is real. What are you waiting for? Becoming the church, simply put, is living what Christ died for you to be. Not have. Not so you can have a joy filled life, even though that's one of the promises. But he died for you to be. 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 What are you waiting for? Becoming the church simply put is living what Christ died for you to be. George McLeod said I simply argue that the cross be raised again at the center of the marketplace as well as on the steeple of the church. I am recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves on a town garbage heap at a crossroad of politics so cosmopolitan that he had to have his name written in Hebrew in Latin and in Greek, and at a kind of place where cynics talk smut, thieves curse, and soldiers gamble, because that is where he died, and that is what he died about, and that is where Christ's own ought to be, and that is what church people ought to be about. This is not about you. It's about him it's about his body it's about us becoming one body everyone doing his part we are the representation of christ to the world My mind is just boggled. Why, God? Why did you rely on us to carry your body, to carry your love, to carry your message to a world that's lost and will go to hell if we don't do this right? I don't understand it. I myself, flawed beyond measure. Broken and and constantly trying to just build myself up, you know, to, to have the courage to stand before you every week. Every day battle with the same thoughts you do, the same inabilities you do, the same misconceptions of who we are. And yet what does it mean? Nothing compared to Christ. This isn't about me. I have to tell myself that every day when my feelings get hurt or I don't feel strong enough or if only I had this or God, only if you would do this. And it's like, suck it up, Nancy, grow up. Cause it's not about you. That's how I encourage myself. I don't know if you can be that strong with yourself. I mean, if you need me to help you, I'll help you. It's not about us. Plug in and do your part. The church is suffering and the world is lost. And people are slipping into hell every day because our feelings got hurt. And well, we're just suck sucking, and I'm not gonna do that. And I'm not, I'm, you know, pastor made me mad today, so I'm not gonna give my tithes tomorrow. Suck it up! Do your part. The world is waiting. We don't have any more time. How's that for an encouraging message? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Let me just hide back. Maybe sometimes I should preach like this. So you see the cross instead of me. I'll hide behind the cross. William Seymour in the Azusa Street Revival. When he would feel the Holy Spirit come over him, like I was just feeling myself, he would hide behind the pulpit. It was crates that they had as pulpits piled on top, and he would hide behind them so that people wouldn't see him, but they could hear God. Hide behind things if you have to, but don't silence God's voice in you. Your co-workers, your family, your friends... Somebody you don't even know at the gas station. They might be at their last leg and saying, I can't go on any farther. When I get home, I'm done. Actually, on the way home, I'm just running my car off the road. I'm all done. And God put you right there at that moment To talk to that person And instead all you could think about Was so and so offended me last week I can't believe they did that They did this And we're all wrapped up in our own self And our own mind And we forget God And what we're here for Could you just stand I am closing really Because if I keep talking He'll keep talking Let's do this let I'm just going to open up the altars Because you guys all said you were saved Everybody's saved in here Everybody's Holy Spirit filled in here So I don't need to give a salvation message Unless you slipped in And and you know, well anyway We're here, we want to pray for you If you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ For the first time or the hundredth time We're here and we want to pray for you. And all the altar workers are wearing their lanyards so that you can identify with them quickly who they are and they'll be able to pray for you. But let's just get before God. Let's get our hearts aligned. And if there's things in your life that you need to lay down because they've been keeping you from... you're supposed to be doing then do that today lay it down like crystal encouraged you earlier in the worship get it out of the way you know and don't just set it down knowing that you're going to pick it back up before you leave kill it crucify it means nail it to the cross crucify it kill that thing dead and buried and walk out a new creature. So let's do that. Let's just come up. Let's just spend time with God. Can we today ask God ask yourself, am I ready? If Jesus was to return right now, am I ready? Have I been busy about the Father's business? Father, we just surrender ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, move, move, move. Move in us, move through us. Point out things in us. Holy Spirit, that's your job. Point things like right there, right there. That's one thing. You keep holding on to that thing. You keep holding on to that one thing. If you just let it go, let it go. Let it out of your hand. Let it out of your hand. I'll pour in you. Holy Spirit saying, I'll pour in you my strength, my power. You are an overcomer. You have been given the victory, but you have to lay that thing down. Lay it down. The word says that if you come to the altar and they are getting ready to offer your gift and you remember the Holy Spirit reminds you, you have ought you have something against somebody else the Holy Spirit shows you you've been holding for unforgiveness toward this person you have bitterness toward this person or you have a victim mentality you believe that you're a victim because this thing happened to you in your past or or that person did that to you in your past and you need to let it go and healing will come To take care of that first Take care of that first It's like I can see the finger of God right now Just touching people Just touching people Right there It's that Yep I know your mind wants to scream No, no, no Not that God Not that No, I'm okay That's all right I've dealt with that before. Then why is it still there? I shared with you before when Brian and I went through our hardest time in our marriage. It was because I was constantly sweeping our problem under the rug. And God verbally spoke to me and said, I cannot heal what you continue to hide. And I had to get real before God and I had to get real before my leaders and I had to get real before, you know, the prayer workers at the altar every week and just say, here it is. Blah, I felt like sometimes I was puking it all out. Because it was years and years that I was hiding things in my life. God said, I cannot heal what you continue to hide. If you've got things in your life that you just need to get out in the open, God's already wanting to heal you. He's already here to heal. Your healing is here waiting. Come on, Father. We just surrender to you. Surrender.